0: Welcome to Secret Handshake, the podcast that covers the movies that help you identify your friends, and maybe make a few more along the way. This week, Spine number 11, 1991's Point Break, with Zen Swayze, the greatest, ultimate Busey role, and Anthony Kiedis. Cody. Yes, sir. That would be a waste of time.
1: The ultimate rush.
0: Nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. We are the ex-president. Total commitment. It's
2: a real thin line between life and death. I'm not a cook!
1: It's not tragic to die doing what you love. If you want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And please, don't
0: forget to vote. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely.
1: The ex-presidents are surfers. You are trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. Fear
2: causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst
0: fears to come true. We'll take you to the edge, past it's gonna be a great day, Johnny. I think taxpayers would like it, Utah. If they knew that they were paying a federal agent to surf and pick up girls. Babes. Big one. The correct term is babes, sir.
1: Adiós, amigo.
2: back to another edition of Secret Handshake. I'm your host Jacob Knight, and joining me as always are Cody Bouchard, yes sir, and Martin Carlson. Hello. So, this week we have one that honestly I'm a little perplexed by in terms of Martin's pick. So we're just going to turn it over to him to start because, well, I say that you're making this face at me already, no, but let trying. me explain myself. Yeah, I was confused. I think I know where you're going, I don't consider this a secret handshake movie uh, okay. anymore. I think I know the rationale behind it, but I mean, everybody has seen point break.
0: Yeah. And we talked about this while we were watching it. And I, I agree. I think that out of, out of the films of, this season it's definitely one of the probably more seen films you compare oh, it to like my yeah. last pick killer party which no one has seen um for me i think uh i think we discussed this was it is a secret handshake film not of do you like point break but do you like point break in the right way Okay, and I think we talked about that, right? Where a little bit, yeah. But yeah. I there is a sense, and we'll get into this more in the podcast, and I think during questions as well. But there's a sense of people like this film, ironically, a lot of people, and they can go fuck themselves, yeah, um, seriously, because there is a people only see it as like, oh, it's like Keanu, and they just do the you know, oh, I'm an FBI agent, which is a great line, but people only see it in that way versus actually being a good movie, a great movie, a great movie, a great script, like my favorite Catherine Bigelow film. Like, probably my favorite Swayze role, one of my favorite Keanu roles, my favorite Busey role. There's just so much going on in this film. So I think when you meet someone who likes the film for the right reason and actually likes it and isn't like, oh, Point Break, you mean like the surf, the surfer robber movie? You know? That, so that's why it's a secret handshake to me. It's also, I think, similar to Hard Target, which is another film in the season that, which I think a lot of people have probably seen, was My Brother. It was a film that we watched a lot together when we were younger and we still quote it it's just like this lifelong thing where you know I have like a Point Break T-shirt with a long kind of relationship based on one
1: movie. You've got a poster in your uh, bathroom. I huh? I
0: have the Reagan. My um, my brother got it for me for Christmas. Is um, when Swayze has the Reagan mask on and he's using the gas pump with uh with lighter to do the the you know basically homemade flamethrower. Um, he got me that kind of art print and it's over my my toilet. My, That's an awesome print. It's a great print. And my best friend, who we also connected over, my friend Bo, we connected over Manhunter and Point Break. First time he came over, I hear him go in the bathroom, I hear him go, Holy shit. Like, just like <laughs> and, <laughs> and he comes out like, like he's like hear him wash his hands he He's like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I think it has that kind of thing where you meet people who everyone's seen it, but certain people have a certain relationship with it. Does you that can make ask sense?
1: A yeah. Uh, so your friend, your best friend, Bo? Yeah. You ever call him Bodie? No. Oh.
0: Missed but, opportunity. If you but ask now, me. now I want to.
1: So, Cody, when's the first time you saw Point Break? Probably sometime on TV, on like, you know, TBS or its equivalent in the 90s. It, yeah. I, I definitely most likely saw this on... It's another... Like, I don't remember the first time I see a lot of movies I'm learning about myself. Um, yeah, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but it was definitely probably on TV. I'm sure I saw the TV version before I saw... Uh, the actual full cut of it. That
0: was definitely me too.
1: And I, I, I can say without shame, I 100 loved this reason for all the wrong, loved this film for all the wrong reasons, getting into it initially. But I mean, it's it is an incredible film, especially watching it with you guys. It uh, really illuminates just how fantastic a piece of art it is.
2: I think I think it's funny that Cody brings up. This is the first title that we've all seen, right? this season that we'd all seen before hard target? we'd all seen hard. Tar- oh, I think, I think I I, I, I had seen Cody had only seen it. pieces and it was kind of the same, but like, let's say this was the first one all season where we were all like, well right. versed in the movie going into it. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Because like point break is a once or twice a year movie for me, if not more frankly. This is um, the second
1: time I'd seen it in like uh, six, yeah, you, six weeks. <laughs> yeah, you would watch it with Aaron like a month ago, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's the kind of film where you're like, that's okay. Yeah, like seriously, fine. I've had friends like, you want to watch Point Break and I have recently watched them? I'm like, sure. Yeah, like why not? You could,
2: like Point Break is one of those movies that like Cody's saying is I think I remember seeing it for the first time. I'm pretty sure is VHS because my dad loved this movie like unabashedly thinks it's like a great film not ironic not goofy or whatever like he thought it was amazing like from vhs on so i'm pretty sure that's how i saw it for the first time Uh, unlike you guys i saw the r-rated cut probably way too young same way i saw like last boy scout for the first time is that it was like just my dad would bring home these stacks of like action tapes. Like as we kind of talked about with like the Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff on hard target is that they just became part of like my like early film knowledge, let's say, but like point break is one of those movies that I've seen so much that it's become almost like metabolized and part of like my DNA. Like it's just, I've probably seen this movie 50 times.
1: So on, like, Friday nights in your childhood, would your dad just, like, roll through the door with a stack of VHS and a sixer and just yell out, like, boys, action movies! Not too far off uh,
2: from how it actually went, no. Uh, But he would rent, like, again, I think we went over this during the Hard Target one, but, like, he would rent, like, you know, uh, a couple Seagal things or Van Damme things or Schwarzenegger or what have you, like a new release uh that from the wall that you know everybody would want to see something maybe from my mom and maybe when we were younger definitely uh he would rent like you know stuff that was quote unquote for kids like you know Ernest goes to camp or some shit um it's a wonderful film but we were big like i was raised at the video store because my dad just loved renting movies like he just did it all the time we always had a vcr i bought them their first dvd player i got them direct tv so they watched movies all the time but even after like getting direct tv like they were always a blockbuster or the we had in uh, pennsylvania we had west coast video was like the local chain Uh, that we went to all the time. But, you know, once Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and stuff came in, we had those as well. But we
0: never stopped running tapes from the the video store. My brother did own this on VHS, um, and he got it. It wasn't, like, from the video store, like, kind of the the long-run ones that you can, you know, use over and over. It was, I think he had, it got to Walmart, and he got it. That might have been the first time I actually saw it. It might not not have been TV, because I remember, I think we talked about this when we were watching the film, that I was, like, the biggest Speed fan. Like I saw that in the theater with my mom and my brother at the Vilas 5 cinema in Eagle River, Wisconsin. I mean, that movie is still, you know, is so amazing. And what's great about it is it really, it really kind of, you know, got me into like action films at that age in a a very heavy way. But then my brother says, well, you should watch Point Break. I think that's when it happened because he's like, this came out a couple years ago. You should watch this if you like Keanu Reeves. And I always thought at that time of Point Break as like less cool than Speed just because it was less crazy action heavy. I mean, Speed is literally just like nonstop. Plus you were young and dumb so we can forgive that. No, and that's true. But I wasn't picking – for me like the obviously the narrative and like the character stuff going on in Point Break is, is really amazing which you don't get in Speed. Speed well, is a straightforward Speed, comic book. I,
2: I remember having this thing about Point Break when I was younger – is that speed was the type of movie? Like speed is barely rated R, mm-hmm. you know. Like
1: yes, it's got I a couple F words. That's, that, that's probably the only reason.
2: Yeah, it's it's not very offensive because it's a Joss Whedon script, right? Didn't he mm. write speed? that was another
0: one we were talking about? Okay, it wasn't Joss Whedon. I
2: think. Well, either what, either way, it had like uh, it was very palatable. Like you could watch Speed with your mom, you know. Point Break. I remember growing up like. That movie was riddled with F words. There were there was fucking nudity. Yeah. There was violence, like blood, nonstop, yeah. lots of blood. Anthony Cadis's foot getting blown off. Anthony Ke- That was like one of the most vivid memories of that movie I had as a kid. Like that blood squib when he shoots himself in the foot is ridiculous. It's, it's like amazing. a geyser that goes off.
0: It's a Verhoven squib. It reminds you of like the squibs in like Robocop with Ed 209 shooting the, the guy. Uh-huh. You know, it's like it's like that. Thick blood that comes out in these like, like you said, geysers.
1: Yeah, thick ropes of blood. This I was gonna say that eventually, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the uh, speed script was written by Graham Yost. Graham yeah. Yost, okay. who, yeah, who did
0: Justified? Ah, that's it. Yeah, that so, makes more sense. And it's it's interesting because like that era. Um. Those those films for me are great because the early '90s and the mid '90s had all these daytime action films, right? It was like, yeah. like for me, T yeah. two is a de- is based, for most of it is a daytime action film. Speed, one day. Yeah, obviously there's, there's night nice stuff in T two. There's a lot of like those the the, the L A hazy yeah. days, and, and you know,
1: well, interesting that you bring T two into it. We were talking a lot during the watch of how much these two films have in common.
0: Well, they, well they, there's a lot of the James Cameron overlap, and it, they look very similar. The yeah. whole the whole just like steely blue, yeah,
1: beautiful blues of, of day, like desert orange.
0: Yeah, and it's just it's that. And that was just we talked about that was that like I don't know if Tony Scott owns that, but it's definitely a big part of Tony Scott's look. Um, you know that's this is post this is same year as Days of Thunder, ninety one. Yeah, I think it's the same year. I thought Days of Thunder was ninety, so it's after. That's Days about yet. the. Same. I think it's after,
2: but it's that same very, era. But that we very can, like color scheme. This scene. is the
0: same uh, year as uh, Last Boy Scout, and that was another daytime. A lot of daytime stuff with the haze of you know the city and the, that look. Last Boy Scout was another formative uh, early action movie for me
2: too. That I, like Point Break, I felt let's say dirty about watching because like you couldn't watch last boy scout with your mom with all the fucking dick jokes and like Damon Wayans doing drugs and Bruce Willis, like just saying all of that awful Chain black, like nasty dialogue. <laughs> like that was when I remember watching and being like, Oh shit, this is what
0: R rated movies feel like. I had a, I just remember an experience that just came to me now that I haven't thought of in a long time regarding point break so um god this is gonna be so fucked up
1: go on no it's actually fine i,
0: I think it's not as <laughs> fucked up as my usual asides but how many gloves were you wearing yeah so i had no gloves but <gasps> what name did your brother call you <laughs> we um my good friend growing up a best friend jeff we've been friends for 35 years and i lived down the alley from him so how many best friends do you have i have a lot you have like but three four like between but jeff jeff is my i'll say best friend but also oldest friend we've we were, we've been neighbors. And so I'll go to his house and his parents were like, my parents didn't want me watching like hard R, but they were like, okay, with cussing, it's okay. And within reason. And his parents were a lot more like, no. But at the library in our town, you didn't have to have like an ID to rent, read, or movies. So you just go there. You just a kid. They just didn't have any rules. So he got Point Break and like probably. <laughs> well, it's m-
2: Indiana. They didn't think you could read in the first
0: place. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, and we're gonna be in jail eventually anyway. So like, yeah.
1: libraries, nobody's going in there.
0: Yeah, we had a great library, but they had and they had a great, obviously great video section. And he got Point Break. I think we were like in fifth grade, and he brings it home, and I'd already seen. It. He's like, "Oh, I got Point Break." I'm like, "Oh man!" At that point, I was like, kind of on board with him. Like, "Oh, it's pretty cool." And we're watching it, and his parents come in the scene with the raid and the boobies. Like, they, like oh, they man. walk in like the perfect time. There's
1: screaming, there's gunshots, there's shotgun. And, and it's,
0: it's like cussing and blood. It's like probably the worst scene you could walk in in that film in terms of all those things in one. Yeah. Yes. And I remember his mom says nothing. Elaine just goes up and just <laughs> exits the VH, pulls the VHS, ejects it. And he's like, well, that's the end of that. Like, well, didn't yell at us, but just like,
2: but that was the end of Point Break for Jeff. Did you guys invent an ending? Like did did you? Guys, well, I didn't know like, how it ended. So I told around? him. Like yeah. How, oh, you already. <laughs> like, I
0: asked with my brother. So I'm like, here's what here's what happens after that.
2: Nice. So yeah. So what makes this movie legitimately great? Like, why shouldn't we like it? Ironically, I mean, to me, you shouldn't like any movie ironically. Yeah. Anybody who watches, like, does like hate watches or irony watches or live tweets or any of that shit and puts like themselves above like the movie they're watching. uh, Go fuck yourself. So, how many but, times
1: in its now twenty year anniversary have you rewatched, dude? Where's my car? Um, ten. Awesome.
2: Like I saw, dude. Where's Your, Where's my car? Like a few times in the theater. Oh, that movie's wow. great. Okay. That's not irony watching though. That
0: movie's just funny. But if I generally don't like a movie, I don't watch it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and there are a lot of movies out there. But what makes this film great? Um, I think is like the screenplay is fucking awesome Um, by uh, Peter Illiff, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he'd also the next year he wrote Patriot Games is also a great script based on a good book, great book. And I think that first off is just like at a script level, there's a great, a lot going on (laughs) that, you know, he put there, obviously Catherine Bigelow brought out about, I think about masculinity, um, there's uh, a just crackerjack action plot. I think Bigelow, you know, there's a, there's that time when a lot you look at a lot of the films of like Jean Claude Van Damme at that time, um, where the directors really they really didn't become name directors. Sure, right, and so this is a film where she's like. She almost didn't realize she's making just like a big action film. It's like this is she's gonna make a fucking film, you know? And this is right after Blue Steel, I believe. Right. So she's bringing this like a right? year after, if i mean, ninety to ninety one, and she's like bringing this real character driven. Like she has something to say with it. I think also what makes it great is like Swayze is just. I don't know. He's he's a fucking movie star in this movie. I mean, he right. like, he is angelic. Like he's he looks fantastic, but he also like is that full like Zen. Swayze that he we were talking about you know around Roadhouse and this and also Dirty Dancing has a little bit of that as well of like the teacher yeah um you have that and again Prime Busey it's also it's like a microcosm of like the '90s action film the early '90s action film of like what was good about it again the sure. look like this is like you could take a scene from this is how movies should fucking look in my opinion every movie should look like Point Break I'll go ahead and put my put that down yeah I could live with that yeah
2: like if every movie looked like Point but you don't
0: like Blue Steel, which looks a lot like this movie. Well, Blue Steel is gorgeous. Like, I think that movie is, I just rewatched it. And it's funny because I always loved Blue Steel. And um, I rewatched it because it was like during the pandemic. now I was like, well, I'm just going to, you know, give it another shot. And I, you know, love Jamie Lee Curtis. And I watched it. And the script is like really uneven. Uh, It's Eric Red yeah it's eric red teaming with her again after near dark yeah and it's and that was the, the first film after near dark right y-
2: well there's near dark yeah that's yep. the, fir- the first one afterward because the loveless is before near dark
0: yeah that was her like first big one right or first film feature yeah and she co-directs that with, with someone yeah with too. someone else and yeah i think for me like Blue Velvet is like, if you turn off the sound and like the plot. Blue Velvet. Blue Steel. So, so Blue, Steel Blue Velvet's perfect. Um, but Blue Steel, like, it just has that. It's a gorgeous look. But for me, the story doesn't work anymore. I was really disappointed that I didn't like it anymore.
2: Okay, here's me going to bat for Blue Steel. And then we'll get back to point break. Blue Steel is a direct commentary on Jamie Lee Curtis as like the ultimate final girl. Like, that's Eric Red writing a cop movie. About masculinity, about uh, a woman put in a a man's world and always having to assert some sort of power in order to uh, kind of, let's say, prove herself. And, you know, between that and then Ron Silver's totally batshit villain, who he almost becomes like the Michael Myers figure, but he's like, he wants to die. from a cop like killing him and that's the entire point of the movie is that casting jamie lee curtis is like well what if we put the most recognizable final girl in a cop uniform and made this an entire movie about power and violence and men and like that i love blue
0: steel like love it to death oh. so that's a fair I mean, that's a good assessment and i agree with a lot of that because i I think watching it my main problem was that there's a lot of just, there's honestly some structural script problems and some logic issues.
2: Oh 100% like that that
0: was my issue going. It's I, more of a vibe that I vibe with than anything. And I think you're right about that because you think about Near Dark and like that's a vibe movie 100%. Like yeah. that is just pure vibe. Cuz Near Dark has some some script logic issues yes. too once you get
2: to It's so good for 3 quarters and then you get to the blood transfusion thing at the end and you're like, "Well, this doesn't make any fucking sense." You can't drain all the blood from one
0: person and replace it with another one. That wouldn't work. They would die. So isn't it? Because well, and then the Loveless too, which I just I just watched for the first time, is also a vibe movie.
2: I, I'm not a huge fan of. That I don't. Poem. I don't like it. I think it's interesting, and I like that it you know gave us Willem Dafoe essentially, but and her, yeah, and her. But like, eh, it's 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 Bigelow, and that's Monty. I can't remember his last name. Is it Monty dude. Hellman. No, 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 not Monty Hellman. I, I can't remember the director's name, but the co-director on that is... Uh, they're doing like a Lynchian thing that just doesn't 100% work for me. It's interesting. I just don't know if I'd call it good.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, but that's... I. You know what? That makes me think differently. I still don't like Blue Steel because I think part is I remembered it being story-wise so much better and then watching it again, I'm like, oh, it's not. And I, I do agree. Like the What's really cool is is the masculinity side of it. And I, I love the idea of, for me, the Ron Silver character, the, the emasculation of also being saved by a woman, you right. know? And if he sees the gun, obviously it's like grabbing the dick. It's a lot of, you know, symbolism. She's just, you know, hitting, <laughs> taking to 11, but, you know, grab, I'm going to re- reclaim that. It was like taken from him by, I think, being saved. But then also I want to be killed by a cop. Um there's a, there's a really interesting stuff, I think, that she's dealing with. But again, it's a script level problem. Sure, You know, and then she's a really great script with Point Break and see what she, you know, what she does.
2: I will say that the love affair between her and Clancy Brown in Blue Steel kind of undercuts yes. some of the thematic stuff. But it's still like Clancy Brown gets to fuck, man. How, how many times does the Kurgan get to bang? And their Doesn't lack of their utter lack of chemistry, I think, in that movie. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of weird. But anyway, Point Break. So, Cody, what's the best set piece in Point Break?
1: Oh, the uh the, the skydiving scene, easily. The climactic one? No, the first one. The 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 euphoric just completely puts you in a entirely different different film out of nowhere and gives you this it, it's almost like a palate cleanser in a meal. Yeah, you
2: it is that's actually a really good way to put it, like that you have all of this action because everything's kind of come to a head. You've had the the bank robbery sequence where like you know, Bodie now knows that Johnny Utah is uh, an undercover FBI. I am an FBI, FBI agent. agent. But like uh it is like a power cleanser because again, we had this debate while the, we wait, were is, watching isn't the it?
1: first uh skydiving scene, isn't that pre his uh knowledge of Utah being FBI?
2: Nope. No, that's after. Okay. That's why it's so weird. All right. Yeah, he
1: like comes and like picks him up at
2: Tyler's house like as Tyler is uh, essentially interrogating him, and or, or like he's about to essentially confess to Tyler. Yeah. That, like, and then so, we, but then Bodhi shows up, picks him up, and then they go skydiving because, yeah, that leads into the whole idea. We had this debate while we were watching it. Oh, yeah. Now the, I remember. The cult then they, then leader they land in the, stuff. Yeah, the video. Got it. Because you guys think Bodhi is very cultish, and yep. I don't. 100%. I 100%
1: think he is a cult leader. Go on. He's charismatic. He's, he's, had, he's marching with his own philosophy, which he keeps hitting hard at every... like. He, you don't get many lines out of him where he's not preaching his own personal view on how the universe is and how the system is fucked and damn the man and we're not doing this for the money, we're doing it for the ride. They just live to get radical, man. That's, that's right. <laughs> Those guys are the wrong kind of bodacious. Yeah. I,
0: I, I, I actually never thought of it that way until you, talk, you brought it up and I was like, oh shit, I really like it. And I think obviously he already has this kind of... Um, he has this leader mentality, and he has like a philosophy. Yep. Um, but even like the way he's dressed, like his his um, at the party scene. Yeah. He has this like almost like Charles Manson like vest thing going on. Yeah.
1: Like they're they're they're, they're doing is it a vest or is it like a like a poncho kind it's of? It's
0: like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a poncho, like a knit poncho right, style, right. but it has that open thing. He's got a, a perfect necklace for like kind of a a hippie like new age cult leader. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. they're
2: totally doing. The surfers, like Bigelow's envisioning the surfers as being the new Family? Like beatnik class of like they live on the fringes, they only they surf. They basically, you know, they've these bank robbers have essentially figured out a way to, you know, finance their endless summer, as even, you know, the one agent puts it. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, you could imagine like even the, the kind of pockets of this subculture existing legally, like they just, they find a job, like an odd job or whatever to make enough money, almost like Travis McGee or something. And then they just surf for the summer and then they go back and they do their job. And right. You know, it's so like, I get it. And like watching it,
1: Martin brings up the party sequence. Like they can I also do, add another couple of points to his uh, sure. cultish leader though. So yeah. in, the, in the party sequence, when they're down in his room, uh, Laura Petty is showing Keanu around and looking at all Bodhi stuff. She's like, oh, he's just the most radical or whatever she says. All the pictures in his room are of him. He's a like, textbook narcissist. He doesn't have any pictures of anybody else. He's sleeping with multiple women in his group, which is fine, but he doesn't like, consider it a relationship because when she's tied up later, he's saying to uh, Keanu, like, look, man, I know it hurts. She means a lot to me too. You know, we spent time together. Like you We know, shared, shared yeah, we time. time. <laughs> she was my woman. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this, Johnny. I hate violence. Yeah. So when the when when they almost get caught the first time by Keanu and Busey and the guys are like, "Look, buddy, it's not a game, man. It's just get real now." And he's just he's not he he turns their their skepticism like back into optimism with more of his philosophy. He stands above them and preaches as they're all sitting on the beach still. Well, I,
0: that is true. Yeah. Like that scene, I think you brought up when we were watching. I agree. It's like well, wow.
1: Well, and the other one too
2: that you brought up because I I didn't. I didn't buy it and now you keep saying it and I'm like, God, he's right. <laughs> but it's like the scene, to your point too, is like even after the party when they're all sitting around the fire and like the one, I can't remember if it's Roach or Witch Surfer's talking about it, but he's talking about like, you ever go in,
0: man, and you just catch the wave. Your balls are this big, and, man. Yeah, <laughs> and they, but
2: like they're all like saying like what what the the biggest wave you can catch is uh, and Bodie literally comes in and he goes no nah, it's the what is it the 70 it's, year it's, it's it's the
0: 50 year storm the 50 year storm in australia bell's, bells beach australia
2: but it's the way that he delivers it is that it's like there is no
0: other answer like this is the answer and then they all look at him and are like yeah he's right well he's stringing his heart with a woman massaging his back he's not even looking at them right yeah he's just like, like you said this is a fact you're all fucking idiots Yeah. I know what this is real. And he's, but he's also a believer. Like he's like a true believer in like,
1: oh he believes well, every word he's saying well, yeah
2: it's also that well we, we just uh, brought up the whole like they only live to get radical when he's talking about bunker and the right. other yeah right like war child uh, just
1: because they live and look like us they don't have this philosophy so therefore they are wrong well
2: he directly says like they don't understand the spiritual side of the sea yeah like they're mm-hmm. not in tune with it like this is a religion to him like surfing isn't just a pastime like it's it's how he connects with the earth in a certain way. And like, I never thought about it in terms of cult leader. And now that you're actually saying it, it's so like blatantly obvious, but like, it's a really good observation. It's a way that I had never actually looked at this movie before the 49
0: times I'd seen it before this one. Yeah. I had an either code. I was very astute. I think I could contribute. Well, he's, it's really, it's cool too, because like, um, he, he never like, Loses his faith Like the whole film
1: No Like up until the end He It's almost like He believes He seemingly gives his life For his belief
2: Yeah and it's almost like He believes that he can Indoctrinate Johnny The entire time
1: I think that's what He's trying to do Yeah he, He sees like Maybe some of himself In him Or maybe he wants to Bang him I don't know but he's trying to bring him into the group. We'll get also. Into that later. I've been one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no, but there, there was. It's interesting. We were talking or watching. You know, there's a lot of Michael Mann going on in this movie, and and two men on opposite sides of the law. The mirror imaging of like realizing they have a lot in common. And I think because it's interesting at the end, I, I like that he says, "Are you still surfing?" And Johnny says, "Every day." Yeah. Like he passed something on to Johnny that Johnny kept. Yeah. Like it's not like, hey, everything you told me was a lie. It's bullshit. It's like no, you still taught me something that I, I did from the spiritual side.
1: Well, Johnny also gave up the law, which was one of Bodhi's things, which is like this is all just the man oppressing, like oh, his lifestyle was outside of the law and, and to a higher power. Well, yeah. that's
2: very much like a a Michael Mann and James Cameron thing to a certain degree because it's all about men navigating through systems and finding and retaining and finding their own like presence and sense of self and like in like with man in particular it's always about men like navigating systems and retaining their individuality and that's kind of what Point Break is getting at is that it's like Johnny realizes that he's part of this oppressive uptight system that he essentially has to shed in order to like connect with the spiritual side of the earth and, and mother nature and stuff. It is a very beatniky, hippie, like ideology that kind of runs through the middle of this insane testosterone fueled action movie. That's just like one of the ultimate dude films of all time.
1: What's, do you think if I'm sorry, just completely side question that my brain just was puzzling on. Do you think if uh, Swayze had never put uh, Laura Petty in peril that Keanu would have eventually come around? I don't, you know what? That's actually
2: a good, that's actually not the worst question in the world because what if he hadn't taken Tyler hostage? I think he would have eventually had to have been backed into a corner because I think Johnny, Johnny's still a professional. Like he's still very much pursuing this. Yeah. But it's not a bad question to ponder because, like, there's the whole se- the famous sequence in the film where, like, Johnny Utah has a bead on Bodie and could have put him down, could mm-hmm. have shot him, and instead he, you know, uh, to put it in the the parlance of hot fuzz, yep. fires his gun into the air <laughs> and, and so screams it ah! while screaming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, because it, it's you know that's a great scene too. I just I love the way she shot it and the way it's edited of just it's moving in on the close up. Of the of, oh man that close up of his mask and yeah. like his eyes when he's and, hanging on the fence and it's like but it's like these, these soulful eyes of crazy who had those like really soulful like yeah. Zen kind of eyes and he's kind of looking at, like you can kill me if you want but yeah. I know you won't and I think you're totally I think Cody to answer your question from my perspective is I don't think Johnny would have come around um, but I do think that 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 Bodie knew that this was like Johnny's pressure point. Like, that's the only one. He basically realizes, like, you're a professional and you will, like, do what's done. But when it comes to Tyler, you're not logical. Like, that's because, like, she's part of that world. Like, she is technically. Which also kind of ties
2: into the whole cult leader mentality is that that's, if you ever read about the history of cults and cult leaders, that's how they would manipulate people. As yeah. they find the one thing that makes you vulnerable and they 100%. manipulate that until you essentially submit to their will Which feeds into Cody's main thesis even more.
1: Another question my brain just came up with: Did uh, Lori Petty know that Bodie and all them were the presidents of the U.S.? No,
0: I don't think so.
2: Oh man, that's a really good.
0: No, no. The film, the film makes it seem like. I think she is not like she's part of that world, but she's as much part of the world as the people partying at that house. Yeah, like his follower, his friends. (laughs) She also seems
2: disconnected from Bodhi in a way that nobody else is. Like, they, as he put it, shared time, man. But, like, they, like, she, I. it feels like she broke up with yep. him because she just kind of looks at him and is like, oh, Bodhi's just, do-. like, she almost looks at is the only character that looks like Bodhi, like he's full of shit.
1: Well, she definitely still reveres him, though, because she's the one that introduces his character in the film. The first time you see him is her saying, like, that's Bodhi. He's the most... He's the most... He's, he's the most radical. Yeah, he's the most bodacious. Then you get the slow-mo of him carving up the wave, and that's the first time Johnny well, sees him. I think
2: there's a difference between admiring somebody's, let's say, skill, especially it's something that she clearly loves in surfing as well, and kind of knowing they're full of shit.
1: Like... But she, she's still definitely hooked on him, though, even when they, uh, and they're in the party scene and they go, well, maybe not romantic. Well, he's like a but, legend in that scene. Yeah, that's what too, I mean. I yeah. think she's hooked on him, like, still in the cult leader sense, just not in the uh, romantic sense. Because when she's down describing it to Johnny when they're in uh, Swayze's room during the party scene, she's, I mean, the way she speaks about him is still. He'll take the edge. He, it's, yeah, she bears him in a way. Yeah, she she's like uh, mythologizing him, even though he's 20 feet away. Well,
0: that's true. I think, the like, the scene where you're talking about where we first see Bodie, and she's, it's a great scene. And she acts that scene like perfectly. I think there is an air, like you, you were saying, Jacob of, of irony. to what she's saying, where she's like the ride, the ultimate ride, like, and she's being authentic. There's also a sense of like, I know this guy like might be full, of shit might be full of bit. shit. And I moved away from I him. I
1: do also pick up like a, a twinge of pain in her voice when she's talking about him. You think she's heartbroken a little bit over breaking up with them? Maybe, maybe she thought he was something, maybe she saw through enough of it to realize he wasn't as much as he claimed to be, but still revered him to a point. I yeah,
0: don't. I, I don't know if there's that much, I mean, in the film, I think, because, yeah. like, because he comes around. Well, it's cool, but he comes he comes behind her, and they, they are, like, still cool. Like, like, what are you replacing me? And she goes, yeah, he's from fucking Kansas or something. Like, they have this, like, rapport. Yeah. Where it's like, I think they're done fucking, and I think she was, like, she sees, like, she... You know, in the structure of the film, she and both and Pappas, Busey are both moral compasses because they are both people who see clearly. Yeah, like they are both people. I think who what? No, you, we just yeah. too. <laughs> we haven't even touched on Busey? Well, yet. that's yeah, that's going to be the next hour of the podcast. But <laughs> um, but these two these two people who are the moral compasses of his two worlds. Like she's technically, I think, part of like the surfer world, and Pappas is part of like the cop world. They're both people like be careful you know like they're kind of keeping him in check and and um obviously he has to leave pappas behind to save you know he kind of has to choose between Tyler and pappas like those are the two people his two loves you know i think is like his his brother slash dad figure or or his or his girl can we get into the main hate of
2: johnny utah in terms of Plotting. John C. McGinley. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what it like I was thinking about it after we watched this movie this time, and like. Is this the best like screen John C. McGinley role? Because you've got like Platoon, which he was probably most known for at this point, and Wall Street. He was a stone guy. So like him showing up here and, and just uh, the
1: what, ultimate game surviving the game. Surviving well, that's game.
2: later, though. Oh, is it?
1: That's a few mm-hmm. years later, okay. So, like, but surviving oh, so you, the game, are you just saying up until this point, or
2: no, just in general? Okay. Like, you can include surviving the game. I just mean, like, up until this point, like, he was, mo- he was known for Oliver Stone movies, like, yeah. he was always a side player in Oliver Stone stuff, and he's even a side player here, but like. Every time he's on screen, he gets to fucking just dial it up to like
1: 19. Well, that's that's what he that's who he is. That's what he does. He's amazing, incredible.
0: Yeah. He it's interesting cuz like in this film, there are a lot of characters in this film that I think maybe even the scripts could just be a generic like he's the generic angry captain, right? On maybe on page. But you bring but in But there's nothing like like in a lot of these movies like say
2: like Beverly Hills Cop or like even Beverly Hills Cop 2 um, and Lethal Weapon and stuff, which I think are all played by the same actor in that. No, uh, but, factors, but. but... like like, uh, they... Like, they make the captain likable. Like, he's totally screaming at, like, Riggs and Murtaugh. or he's screaming at fucking Nick Nolte. But he's here. their dad. He's, but Sam, he's also being dad like, Boys. But I get it! You get the job done! <laughs> here, it's like, John C. McGinley is like, What the fuck are these people doing? You guys are idiots. And he gets some of the best... Like him and Busey, like facing <laughs> off against one another. Like Busey just going on, you know, I was down in the
1: muck in Kaysan while you were still popping zits on, on your, your face. funny on your funny face, <laughs> shacking off to the Sears, Sears catalog. <laughs> catalog. Like, and then punches him in the face, <laughs> and none of the officers around them give a shit at all. <laughs> yeah, there's um, you brought maybe
0: it's it's script, but also like yeah, John C McGinley brings this like insanity just total dickhead energy just because i think it is for you know this is first then after that you have um Driving the game, which for me is was a formative film for McGinley because he was that guy, right? And whenever he showed up, my brother and I would be like, "Oh shit, this guy's back."
2: Which is no, another McGinley and Busey reteaming because Busey gets that amazing monologue about the fucking
0: pit bowl or whatever. Yeah, it's Cody so and I were like drinking, so and he had ne- you'd never seen it, correct? And I hadn't seen it in fifteen years, and I was like, "Oh, we should watch Driving the Game tonight." And we got to that point, and I was like. I'm like this is like what the fuck this is a slow push and it's Ernest Dickerson directing the shit out of that movie. Yeah. yeah, he's totally giving you this weird dramatic moment in the
2: middle of this like psycho action like riff on uh, what's it called most dangerous game. Yep. yep. But like, yeah.
1: Anyway, it's this weird sliver of just like Oscar worthy performance in the middle of this just bonkers ass movie. I because I wonder how much
2: generations like after these movies like just know him as. Uh, what is it, Dr. Cox from Scrubs? Yep. I was never a huge that's, Scrubs fan. That's exactly
1: how I mainly recognize him. Secondary to that is the uh, uh, other guy in Office Space. Where they got the, yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah, other that's Bob in space. Office Space. Yeah.
2: So, last question before we get to questions. Yeah, I want let's, let's
0: not get too heavy on Busey now. Because I want to... Well, yeah. I'm not getting on
2: Busey. The one thing I do want to bring up, and it's something that we talked about, because viewing this movie with you guys, it wasn't like this reverential like silent viewing like we kind of talked through the whole thing because we've seen this movie so many times (laughs) yeah but like we were discussing it almost like we were doing our own commentary but the one thing that i brought up that i still it still sticks in my side to this day that i can't figure out is that so johnny utah (laughs) undercover fbi agent Uh uh-huh goes undercover with these surfers with his real name the, with well, his real name okay. hold I, on I, hold
1: on i thought about this when we were hold watching hold
2: on it hold on and then you can retort because right. you've already you, you've correct. already stolen this whole podcast with your fucking uh, cult leader shit so oh, I'm like, sorry. you're the winner thus far so maybe you win there this no one winners, too
1: there are no losers there's only friendship God, i hate that <laughs> Ugh, i hate you podcast canceled <laughs> But
2: uh, no, seriously. <laughs> so he's a, an FBI agent. He goes undercover, uses his real name. And the way he bonds with these people is that John, he's a fucking guy named Johnny Utah who was like
0: a Heisman Trophy winner yeah, for, who uh, blew uh, his knee out in that, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, OSU player. And oh. they're all like, oh, Johnny, realized he was you. Is like, even pre-internet. You just type be like, oh that guy's an FBI agent
1: now. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like And I they guess... were all about to kick his ass after he uh, tackled Bodie into the surf, and they all run up on him, then Bodie was like, No, 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 I knew this the whole time. This is Johnny Utah. This is Johnny Utah. Like, oh, it is you yeah, I didn't recognize
2: So my question has always been How did they buy the whole like I'm an undercover FBI agent? Like it just
1: seems like
2: Johnny Utah never
1: used an actual cover. Because uh, when he introduced his name, that was to Lori Petty. He didn't know she was with them. He wasn't investigating her as part of the under. Undercover he sh- he should have been though. He was just trying to learn how to surf, and she was got pissed off because he he was on her wave or something, and he talked sure. her into surfing. He wasn't initially investigating her as part of any of this at all, or the other guys. He but was they're just, his target. No. Oh no, they're not his they're target. Not his That's target. right. The, the, the he didn't have a target at first. War Machine or whatever, and his crew were. And then it was after that that he w- was walking up on the beach and then like watched them surf and it clicked for him. He was like, oh shit, these are the guys. But yeah. here,
0: here's the thing. I, I totally, that's a very good point. If you're an undercover person and you're in the area you're going yeah. to be, <laughs> you're undercover. It's not like, well, I'm going to only be <laughs> well, undercover to some people and not others. Yeah, this like, <laughs> it was, it was also
1: seemingly his first week in the field ever uh dr cox says to him at the the walk and talk down the hallway like you know you just got out of school and you think you know everything this is your first day in the field so you don't know shit no
0: it's it no i i get that it is completely it's it's a it's it is for the sake of the script because they wrote the moment i think they wrote the moment first where he gets he gets tackled by Bodie, and they're like cool that's a great way to introduce him and they're like shit well Well, yeah. he tackles bodie he tackles sorry he tackles yeah. bodie and then the whole moment of like the, that's when they really connect and you, he bodie sees the extreme side of Johnny also right. sees cuz that's the baptism scene of him chasing him into the water it's like mm-hmm. hey we're the same that's
1: when he sees that side and he's like oh i can i can turn this mm-hmm. i can i can get another follower here it's well, yeah. that
0: like masculine aggression too yeah and he mean? and he likes it you're ready to get wild and then you're like oh well, he's also
1: into uh Tyler and yeah. Bo- Bodie just like romantically scooped her up like right out from in front of him. So I mean, there's like some alpha dog com- competition going over the girl.
0: I don't know about that actually. I never. It's one thing. I, this one that's interesting is I don't think there's ever a sense of of uh, Bodie wanting her back. No, I agree with that. I don't think it's well, either. But
1: I think when he scoops her up from like directly in front of him, it's like a it's it's a sign of like ownership almost. Cody
2: does have a point. Is that it is there is that weird kind of dude code thing to where like maybe doesn't see him as direct competition, but almost like oh who's this outsider who's coming in and like stealing this woman
0: that I'm gonna I, wag it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I it's as interesting because I've always taken the energy that scene is actually this kind of like they're all getting along and it's like. Him doing that was almost just like a fun, I've always taken it as kind of like a fun like brotherly thing almost. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, we were having this easy relationship and like now the kind of walls are coming down. But I also get like in the real life. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's like, whoa. It just looks (laughs) like uh, like competition to me. Yeah. Definitely a little bit of of preening. The ex-president's
2: are surfers. Like, <laughs> look, that's literally the mission. Like, look at the he, tan line. He goes he goes undercover because Busey sees a tan line on a dude's butt. Yeah, he, <laughs> found, he found sex wax. The second <laughs> sex wax. <laughs> on some hair. But yeah, it's just... It's the only thing that's ever bothered me because it just feels like they were like, we have a hook for a movie. We get this guy under. We have this, these awesome characters that we've constructed. But like... Fuck logic, I guess, for just this one moment, too, of like, we're going to put Johnny Utah... And also, Johnny Utah, not the best investigator no. or undercover FBI agent, but like, it's, it's a Wasn't stupid... it his
1: idea to look into the uh, genetic chemicals in their hair and shit mm-hmm. from what surf yeah, they're going to Yeah, that's be one.
0: He's, he's the new... He's the one who's like, let's use technology. He's he's the one bringing CSI But it's also
1: a
2: weird, like, moment, too, because I've also wondered, like, wouldn't somebody, like, be like, hey, aren't you the guy who's, like, ripping hair off of people's heads? Like, if he was at the party or something? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) It asshole. seems like a pretty
0: tight knit community.
1: Well, it, and Some it's old like man came on the beach with a badge and cut my hair, dude. That's fucking weird, man. It's like we were joking
0: about, like, you know, Buy Me Vice, the TV show, where it's like every week they're like, my name's Sonny, Sonny Burnett. And <laughs> and and then, like, they're like, at the end, like, it's actually Crockett, <laughs> Vice Squad. And then they're like, we got him. Same city. Next week, it's like,
1: I'm Sonny Burnett. And
0: no one knows. It's like, the town's not that big. Like, everyone
1: would know it's you. Like, I get like, people it. People in the underworld are talking to each other. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you,
0: you go to, like, one big drug party in Miami. It's like there's probably a couple people there. Have you heard of this Sonny
1: Burnett guy? Like, pretty seems sure he's, to a keep <laughs> he's a cop. showing up. He's a cop. He goes away for a bit, and then he comes back. He's got kind of a look about him, and he drives a pretty distinct car. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, should we get into questions? Let's do it. All right. questions about 1991's Point Break. Martin, your show, you
1: are the Bodista. It's, it's your world. <laughs> you can put melted cheese on it. The anything. ride,
0: the ultimate ride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my first question is,
0: we danced around Busey during the opening section. I think we didn't talk too much about Busey. So when we talked about watching the film, though, is this the ultimate Busey performance? Cody.
1: Yes, unequivocally. Um, he's... He's the most Busey without being too much Busey. He's he's crazy, He's over the top, but he's still relatable. And he's you know he's uh, what does he call Utah when he's blindfolded at the beginning?
0: Blue flame punk.
1: Is that yeah? So he's he's thrown out these great one liners that there's no way anybody could have written other than Gary Busey. He's he's improvising beautiful moments. We uh, especially talked about with the Utah. Give me two. Yep. Like, the, the camera could have just panned back. He could have just kept Best his face down. Best meatball sandwiches. He could have just kept his face in the newspaper, and then they could have just cut to the next shot. But no, he takes it a step further leans out the window. Like, there's no way that was in the script. I
0: think you're totally right. You can feel It's like they were lingering. Yeah. And he's like, I gotta say this. <laughs>
1: Weird
2: Busey moment I really like in this movie is when they send him first for that raid on the fucking on like bunker and world child's uh, house and stuff and he's knocking on the door he's like i can't find my dog and you're See him like, a little dog what the fuck like him of all people you sent through first
0: <laughs> yeah how about for you jacob is this the ultimate
2: i don't know um i think there's two that would compete for it and that's lethal weapon yeah Mr. Is it blonde or Mr. Lethal weapon is uh, Mr. Joshua, Mr. Joshua. That's it. Yeah. Mr. Blonde's reservoir dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I love him in that the whole like lighting his fucking hand to show how badass he is. And like that, that street fight with Mel Gibson and, all the stuff with like the torture sequences, like he's just eating up being a villain the whole time, and like stone cold, like not crazy Busey. Yeah, like, he's uh... like icy Busey. Like he's, it's just a totally different style of performance. But I guess that would actually rule it out as ultimate Busey because you're not getting all the Busey.
1: It's muted Busey. Um, yes,
2: <laughs> it's kind of like how you know Jack's back. Uh, one of the movies from our guest this week. You know, you get all of James Spader because he plays twins. You're like, oh, yeah, I get bad Spader and I get good, like, Dr. Spader. It's weird. Um, But the one that definitely vies for it will always be Silver Bullet. Yeah. Because, like, drunk Uncle Busey, I mean, that's basically who he was anyway. So that's the role he was born to play. And he's just... Him and Corey Heyman, that movie, are great. And... Him fighting a werewolf and, like, inspiring with this kid. So that would be the only one I think that would vie for it with Pappas. Although, I mean, we brought up Surviving the Game. He's really good in that, too. And he gets that monologue that we beautiful, talked about. So, monologue. like, that's a great one. But, yeah, it would be those two for me. Like this or, or Silver Bullet.
1: What's the one with him and Wesley Snipes where there's also skydiving? Uh Drop Zone. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a good movie. Movie, movie. kicks
0: ass. That was actually one I was considering for double feature, but it's not going to be, but that was another film that kind of about extreme would be a perfect one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I, you basically put the word, took the words out of my mouth. I mean, like for me, my first answer is just, yes, I think like, this is like, like you said, Cody, this is like all of the mixings of Busey. It's the craziness, but you can tell the one liners.
2: Well, and also his like fights with John C. McGinley that we already kind of brought up.
1: Yeah.
0: And and that's, Tough to beat too, so. But you have that, and I just think this is like that—that's that Busey. But for me, like that's... and I—I I love lethal weapon, but it's such a different. Like you said it's not full Busey; it's him. This he's actually acting a very cool, cool part. Silver Bullet's the one that vies Well,
2: he's like the proto. Or, like, the prototypical like Shane Black. Like, there's always, he writes one, like, unbeatable
0: henchman. and Unbeatable psycho, psycho cold henchman. You know, he has it in. um,
1: He has that kind of weird feeling to me, too, in Predator 2. And I love him in Predator 2. Good pick.
2: I like that movie, and I like him in it a lot. Yeah. He's in the trailer. It's like lions and bears. Oh, my.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's like one of the best trailer lines. He gets
2: the best death, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Get out of here.
0: And he's just got the fucking like giant like um nitrous. Like a slab
1: of meat, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um but I Silver Bullet is a close one. I think he also is Silver Bullet is he's so fucking lovable in that movie. Like I think he's the ultimate Yeah, you want drunk
2: Uncle Busey. Drunk
0: Uncle Busey is just the best. Like he He's not the one who crawls into bed with you at midnight. He's the
2: <laughs> one who pushes you
0: wheelchair around. <laughs> well it's it's but you know, his his Jesus Christ. His uh Dark, um, <laughs> but his relationship with Corey Haim is that's one of Corey Haim's best performances, in my opinion, too. Oh, one hundred percent. And they have this great chemistry. There so, aren't many of them, though. So they're not sadly. Um, well, because I think like even by Lost Boys, he was he was buying into the like t- the Tiger Beat yeah thing of just like like you know trying to be this teen heartthrob every single he minute. He was the
1: very first. He was Justin Bieber.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was that whole era? They had a lot of eighty people, like you know Scott Baio and people like that were already kind of being the team beat stars. Sure. But um, yeah, so that would be a, be a close one for me. Um, second question, kind of in the same, we honestly haven't talked much about Swayze either, so I'm glad we kind of saved it uh, in terms of a, a performance and and something we talked about, and you can bring up your conversation with Rowdy Harrington of like, um, where does this rank for you both uh, in the Swayze canon, but mixed in with that, is this the ultimate like Zen Swayze? Because there's a couple of films where he was kind of doing that. Um, I'll start with Jacob. Um, first off, where's it rank? You know, is this your favorite Swayze role? Oh yes.
2: Like this is, I mean, it's this or Dalton from roadhouse, but like, yeah, this is the best. He's just so good. Like, and you couldn't, it's weird. You know, we talk about Keanu Reeves and like early Keanu Reeves, because like the movie before this is bill and Ted pretty much.
1: And after this, yeah. And after He's this, between two Bill and Ted's, he's right? He's between yeah. Bill
2: and Ted's, and then he would do, like, Speed, and then he would also do, like, the Kenneth Branagh, like, Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, Much do About Nothing. Yeah, that yeah. he's not good in. Dracula <clears throat> yeah. is yeah. another early 90s one, but, like, where he's... Not great. You know, let's say there's a string
0: of bad Keanu roles Where do you, where do you here, think it
1: breaks out there? Where stuff... Devil's Advocate?
0: I think that was the one. That's where he, like, hit, and then Matrix, who was like, then yeah. he was, like, shot.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, like, Point Break's a pretty big moment. And Speed... Speed made I mean, him... Speed's a huge Speed one. Speed made
1: him a, a, yeah. a star at that point. Yeah, I mean, and that's he was, a couple he was years later. But, break,
2: like... But... Yeah, I think Speed's the one that really breaks him out. I mean, He's honestly... A solo star. Bill and Ted, like, breaks him out. But, like, yeah, Speed establishes him as, like... Oh, he can do this action shit. But this came three years before that? Yeah. So, like, this kind of... Without this, you don't have John Wick. You don't have... Uh, speed. Matrix, you don't have yeah. Matrix, but like, I think where I'm getting at with him is that still in the early 90s he was, let's say, uneven. Swayze and no, no Reeves. Reeves. Oh, okay, and like, I think Swayze boosts him up a lot because Swayze's so cool, and there's not there's like not a false moment in his performance. So he does this really awesome thing of like elevating the actors like with him because he's so good. But Dalton is so awesome. And like, that's where the Zen Swayze came from, especially in like action movies. He just has this kind of weird, mystical thing and like the whole like be nice kind of ethos behind his uh, character. And yeah, you know, and yeah, you, I don't want to spoil too much from the conversation with Rowdy Harrington, but like, he talked about how Swayze was just like, The best human being ever he was just cool he was easy to get along with like he took direction well and he just brought he literally fought with rowdy harrington on the set of roadhouse because he did all the stunts except for one and they wouldn't let him do he wouldn't they wouldn't let him basically like do the motorcycle stunt Mm. and he got or he grabs the guy off the motorcycle because that's the other thing is he's such an amazing physical performer in it too like he wanted to jump out of that plane in Point Break. Like he wants to do surfing stuff. He wants to play football on the beach. Like he wants to do all these fucking physical, like intense ass ba- bank robbery sequences. Like Swayze's awesome in these two movies, but I would go with Bodie. Bodie's okay. always going to be the best.
1: I'm going to say Bodie as well. I I love Roadhouse. Roadhouse is great, but. In Roadhouse, I don't think he's playing a two-dimensional character. I think he's just a little bit more two-dimensional than he is as Bodhi. Yeah, totally. This is peak Swayze. I mean, he has soul and belief burning in his eyes in every scene. Like we were talking about earlier when he was sitting on the beach... Uh, talking to the guys about nope it's the the 50 year storm in australia and he's not looking at them but he's capturing all of their attention and these guys are drunk on a beach at night around a bonfire like they shouldn't be listening. and they should be like hooting and hollering and running around like they've been doing but as soon as he starts speaking they all stop and focus in and the moments when he's looking at other characters and the cameras behind them you could see the intensity in his eyes like he is peering straight into your soul he is one with this character it is incredible and
2: like i can't remember who brought it up while we were watching it but somebody brought up uh, Chris Hemsworth in Bad Times at the El Royale that was me was that you mm-hmm. and, and when you were talking about like the whole cult leader said, stuff said with said Swayze would have been way better than yeah. Hemsworth and that's the thing is like Hemsworth is pretty close to what we have as like a modern Swayze in, in like a lot of stuff like there are elements like especially with his action
1: movie stuff I that don't you don't think at. he has the charisma but Agreed. He, he does have no 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 I,
2: I agree with you is that he's the bad version <laughs> yes of uh, Swayze. absolutely he's, he yeah. sways B yeah Jesus Christ. And we're
0: canceled. Second cancellation tonight. <laughs> I love it. Um, so for me, I've done a lot of soul searching this week um, since, we watched <laughs> the, since we watched the film. <laughs> and and um, it's 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 close. Um, I think my favorite role to watch is Bodhi. I think that that is... You're right. You said it so well, Cody, that there's there's levels to his performance. I think that the narrative, you can tell also he was directed by Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell when you watch a film that's been directed. Yeah. Like, there's somewhere it's like, hey, let the actors do whatever. There's something you can tell she added that nuance in. Yeah. And I think probably, I don't know the stories, but it probably also brought more out of him. And, um, you know, he brings that level because there is the intensity of belief, but there's also an insanity to him underneath yes. it is like, you believe this guy shit. Like this guy will kill somebody. Like he's dangerous. He is the villain of the movie. In the end, he's the villain of the movie and you never like lose that, especially towards the end. I think the ultimate Swayze role though, is Johnny Castle from dirty dancing. Um, in terms of in film history, it's, it's dirty dancing in terms of most people, what they think of. Well, it's what they what hired he- him uh, for Roadhouse, because of like it was because he was such a huge star in that movie. Well, he was on, like, so my understanding of that era of Swayze, and you know, was also Viacom, Viacom, right? Um, that did, um, I Dirty think Dirty
1: Dancing Roadhouse. no, Vestron,
0: sorry, Vestron, uh, Vestron, yeah, was, was, um, Dirty Dancing. Viacom did not. No, Viacom. Best Vestron. <laughs> so he after, um, like that that mid the mid '80s there, like he hadn't blown up yet. He had been in movies like Red Dawn, and he had had a career in Outsiders. He hadn't had his big movie, right? And when they put them together, obviously we know this. You told the story of you know he and Jennifer didn't like each other from Red Dawn, but right. that movie was very low budget and fucking exploded. It was the sleeper hit. Of that year.
1: The the writer lady of that is still making millions of dollars off that movie to yeah. this day.
0: And it's, and, it's, and it's one of the most influential films, I think, in especially the 80s. Like, you talk about 80s cinema, even though it takes place in the 60s. Right. You know. Um,
1: a lot of things did in the 80s.
0: Yeah, and in the, in the 50s. But I think, you know, for me, like Johnny Castle. And it's funny, you know, you could probably talk about this as well, Jacob, that the zen aspect of, of uh, Swayze you get in Roadhouse very much yeah. you get in um, point break but even though it's not Zen there is this like teacher personality you see in dirty dancing where he, he is the leader he's teaching her to dance he's showing her a new world and it's very similar I think to Bodhi of a person like hey and even the first scene where she enters she enters the the, the dirty dance she is the dirty dancing for the first time where all the all the workers are is very similar I think the way that Johnny sees this kind of wild world. You know of these of these surfers. It's a world he doesn't understand, but something that, that draws you know. So I, I am just an unabashed. It's a very apt fan. I, I am an unabashed fan of Dirty Dancing, and I, I
1: won't hide it. So neat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I lost to Not hide. I like that movie a lot, but that's just because I um, share a fond mem- memories with my grandmother. She really loved that movie.
0: Great. No, it's it's a good movie. It's a great script. Um, so uh, wait, real quick, Dirty Dancing or Footloose? Dirty dancing hands down. All right. Um, so with Bigelow... Um, I mean, we're... Sorry, just talking stars and filmmakers here. I mean, in terms of ranking. Like, Bigelow is a Bigelow film. Jacob. Uh, we talked about when we were watching it. About some of your favorites. You know. Uh, well... And she has, she has these eras of her filmmaking. I want to save
2: my... Main favorite for Double Feature because uh, that's what I'm pairing it with. Okay. But um, where this ranks, it's high because there's obviously... It's tough because there's obviously, like, the schism in her career to where, like, you have the Catherine Bigelow who made these kind of unhinged genre movies like Near Dark, Blue Steel, Point Break... And Strange Days. Oh, Strange and, Days. And uh, then you have Hurt the Locker. Catherine... <laughs> yeah, the exacting military when she started teaming up with Mark Bowl and made like Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, even uh, K-19, The Widowmaker is... That's more on the side of like the militaristic thriller. Yeah. And than Detroit is. is also
0: Mark Bowl, I believe, as well with her. Yes, like, yeah. and
2: Detroit um, which is its own kind of animal. Yeah. Uh, you just made that face. I, I actually like that movie a lot. I didn't, but I think yeah. the, I think the middle section of that is one of the better horror movies I've seen in some time, but like, yeah, that that's doing something. I mean, it's more in line with like say zero dark 30 or whatever. Cause it's this historical reenaction from like the ground up, um, or reenactment, I guess, uh, Number one is Strange Days. Forever. Number two is probably Zero Dark Thirty. Just because, like, that movie's so, like, operating on my wavelength the entire (laughs) time of, like, here's this cold clinical procedural that's done with, like, almost zero emotion. And you're just immersed in, like... Detail, and I—it's the same reason why I love like Zodiac and shit—is you just stare at it and you're like, "Oh my god!" The amount of time it must have taken to like research and get this right is so ridiculous. But that movie also pays off on such a deep emotional level. Like that final shot of her loading herself into the plane hangar and flying off after Bin Laden's been assassinated, and basically. Almost pondering, like, was this... She's vindicated, but, like, was this... You as an audience member are pondering, like, w- was it all worth it? Like, that shit kills me every time. Um, but then Point Break would probably be three. Then Near Dark. Then Blue Steel. And then... You can get the other ones. Hurt Locker? You know that one? Hurt Locker. Then Detroit. Then K-19. Okay. Cody? And yeah. I mean, k nineteen's still fucking really good. So, like, people talk shit on it because of Ford's, like, Russian accent and, like, <laughs> s- it is a bit long, but, like, I really like that movie, too. Uh,
1: Zero Dark Thirty to top. Uh, mostly because that's the one I can remember the most. I mean, obviously, outside of Point breakers we just watched it, but um, it's just kind of a masterclass in filmmaking. Like, she's, she's taken... Everything, all the pointers that Cameron's ever given her and just made them in her own and refined them. And she's such a tight filmmaker. Like, everything is just, like, beat for beat exactly where it should be. Um, Point Break would be second because it's fucking beautiful and it's an amazing piece of art, which yeah. is why we're talking about it. Um, then it would be Strange Days. And I put Strange Days there with a, a an asterisk because I don't remember a lot of that movie. But the, the, the things that I do remember from it are severely captivating and the movie has an air about it almost uh blade runner but darker like feel like i i just remember like the emotional pull that it got from me
2: i want to get into the darker stuff that you talk about when i talk about the double feature cuz it's the shit that i really respond to with her but like that movie too is like such straight up like that's the perfect uh, byproduct of her and cameron Yeah, you know so like you get all of it there, yeah. And also watching that, I watched that movie like a month ago or so. Like as you talk about with your asterisk, like watching that during a pandemic while we were <laughs> like witnessing all the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and everything, like and that, while
1: VR is so prominent,
2: and VR is so prominent, but like the that movie's is so prescient. It's it's like terrifying at times.
0: Yeah, for me, it's hard. Um, I think Point Break is my favorite. I, I think you brought something up, Jacob, when we were watching it that I, we were kind of just like, it's one of those things that maybe you forget to say when you're, you know, talking um, more uh, critically about a film is that it's just a great fucking movie. Like it's, it, yeah it's. I watch it and you were saying like we've both I mean I've easily watched it over 50 times too not to like you know I think I've been at that same point where it's it's so part of me it's like Batman where I've seen it so many times that I know it's coming next so it's almost like I'm not watching it I'm just experiencing it again sure you know it's so like it's you know you you know your body knows like what's happening next so for me it's that but it's it's like when I fell in love with movie was like movies were that's when movies were new it was like the early 90s like I was like 8 you know 7 and 8 and it's like I'm seeing it's like Movies were supposed to look like this again with the blue light for day, the cold like Cameron look for day. Like you're saying, kind of like the sepia orange tones for like the sunset in California. Um, just the plot, the like just amazing story. So, I think for me, and just her, like, also to see a filmmaker bring a real energy to a film, I think is in the script, but she just makes it her own. The way that she deals with, with like in all of her films with men. Relating right. to each other. Because that's what man does too. But she has her whole own energy. Yeah. You know, it's the way that men relate. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, that's Hurt Locker. Like, yeah. so much of that, that film is just this unit of three men. Of, of yeah, there's some dick wagging at the beginning. And there's kind of, then there's the insanity. And there's also the, the friendship that comes through being in war together. And she just balances all that. In a really nice way.
2: Well, I think there's that's what makes Zero Dark Thirty so special too is like her having an actual female protagonist in that movie. There's some auto critique going on and that you wonder how much of that is based on her viewpoint of like I've worked in genre movies and action movies my entire life, like these male-dominated genres, and like I'm gonna show you like how cutthroat you have to be and like determined as like a woman to navigate this kind of man's world. That's uh, there's, that's why there's this weird to me built in emotional uh, kind of connection to zero dark thirties because you're like, Oh yeah, only a woman could
0: have made this movie. That's interesting because I remember when, um, Hurt Locker came out cause that's the one she won best director for and, and, and best picture
1: over Cameron, right? Yeah, wasn't he up there? Yeah, to like it, was, it was. for Avatar. It was her
0: versus. Yeah, it was, it was, it was oh nine. Oh yeah. He was
1: like two rows behind her.
0: Yeah. Um. And she. Interesting,
2: also to note, as you say, like the '90s formed you. This and Terminator Two came out the same year. Which are two films that think
0: about that. just like?
1: Oh, they look so. I mean, there's there's so many similarities we were talking about yeah. during the film. There's the 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 blue steel coloration. There's the 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 chase scene in the the L.A. spillway. The, the
0: view of L.A. in yeah. general.
1: Yeah, and
0: it, Last Boy Scout. All same Fuck. year.
1: Talk
2: about movies that, like... As you were talking about, like, formed the way that you watched. You were like, oh, yeah, this is what action films are supposed to look yeah, like. Yeah, I, I
0: think it's what you see, and, you know... But, you know, in terms of ranking, like, this would be one... Honestly, I'm an early... I'm an early uh, big low. so Near Dark is two. Um, but then I would do... Um, Zero Dark Thirty, Hurt Locker after that, Strange Days, which I love, but I haven't seen in a while, so I don't want to, like... Um, And then, yeah, getting down. Obviously, Loveless. I won't even talk about. But K nineteen is easily last. Um, I left Loveless off of mine, but that would be last. yeah, it'd be last. Um, K nineteen. I don't even count it. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one-off. But something I want to say to Zero Dark Thirty, we talked about when making it, is like you were saying, it's so exacting. Is like if someone was like, "Hey, what is the best directed action scene of of the Century?" I'd say. I actually wrote a couple scenes, and I would say this—the end incursion in Zero Dark Dirty. is Oh my god! Is yeah. I saw it the theater with my best. Couple, sorry, with my best friends. Fuck me. <laughs> and we were sitting there, and I just like breathed this relief after it was over, and I said, "Like, I have never seen an actual director, action director like that." And again, because like a lot of the build, there's a tension to that film the entire time, and a lot of tension of you know her finding her place and like trying to you know, exert her authority in certain situations. Also the tension of like, there's terrorists out there who want to kill you, but there hasn't been big open action scenes. And then it just culminates this, what 30 minute scene. It's like, it's amazing. All that, uh, night vision photography. Took that fucking Deacons would
2: steal for, uh, well, and also Deacons stole it from like, for Sicario. Sicario. Yeah. What
0: I, and I love Sicario so much. And it's funny. Cause I, I thought the same thing when I watched it said that whole end, see, in the tunnels is right at of desert. Yeah. And, you know, Villeneuve is a great director. He's not quite as good as Catherine Bigelow. No, not. I don't yeah, do yeah.
2: he's playing the same game. Yeah,
0: but he's, I, th- I actually like him a lot as a director, but yeah, he's not. Oh no,
2: I do too. I just, Catherine Bigelow is one of the greatest like human beings to pick up a movie camera. So you don't compete with that a whole
0: lot. <laughs> Why even try? Um, so let's move on to the next question. Um, so we kind of brought this up earlier about the queer subtext of the film. Do you all believe that that is intentional? Or if not, does it still come through? We talk about this kind of like, you know, intent versus impact, um, Cody.
1: I feel it more of just like male aggro, alpha male aggressive stuff. Like I don't really feel a sexual attention to it at all. Uh, I, I can't see where it can be perceived that way, especially since it's a movie about like beautiful shirtless men most of the time that are wet, calling, you know pushing each other's philosophy on each other and whatnot and sharing lovers and things but uh no i don't feel there is a a tangible actual romanticism between the two characters
0: jacob
2: oh this movie's mad gay like <laughs> right it's just but it's gay in the same way that like top gun is yeah. gay like you watch it and you're like Again, we're talking about like the formative movies of like the 80s and 90s. Like without Top Gun, you don't have any of these films. And Top Gun is gayer than all of them. Like it's the fucking volleyball sequence, the all of the weird like Maverick like Iceman stuff Ice too. Iceman stuff like yeah, but I mean that's that's this. Like Bodie and and Johnny Utah's relationship is no different. Like they don't actually want to fuck right, each no, other, totally. but it's like You know, it's the same way that like Maverick and Iceman's turns gay, but like none of that's intended. You just watch it and you're like, oh, dude, this is so gay. It's just, it's it's an
1: ultimate bromance.
2: Yeah, it's it's totally that. And you, it's the thing that you dive into if you're like an academic to be like, okay, where does this come from in like the male psyche? Because it's like a real thing. But yeah, if you film enough beautiful guys cavorting on a beach, tackling each other into water and like fighting over a woman who has incredibly short hair the entire time and is built like a boy, someone might read that as, hey, some shit's happening here that, you know, nobody really talked about. So it's awesome. But it's just another thing that adds to why you could watch this movie and just be like, this is, everything about it is so great. And, like, dialed in, even in, like, an intentional way. It's awesome.
1: You know, a comparison I just thought of? This is kind of like uh, Interview with the Vampire, where, um... Uh,
0: well... That's pretty, that's gay gay. I mean, well, yeah, I Neil no, Jordan no, no. was like, this I'm is not gay. So. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> talking about, I'm not talking about
1: homosexual. I'm talking about, like, more like looking for, like, a, a life partner in crime, sort of. So, uh, you know, Swayze and Cruz, uh, Lestat, are the same as, you know, Pitt to uh, Johnny Utah. All
0: yeah. Right. and I think yeah I agree it's not intentional. I do think though that another way to put it is again she brings a really different energy to male relationships, and I think she depicts them in a really interesting nuanced way that a few other filmmakers can do, especially in action cinema. Sure, you know, and you see that again in Hurt in Hurt Locker. I mean, very you know. Well, you talked about Near Dark too. Oh. Well, and, 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 and vampires and homosexuality kind of go hand in hand a lot and, and queer theory because like, um, just like they came back to grad school. Like every paper was about like AIDS and vampires and homosexuality and vampires, Sure, you know, and it's, but it's there. And it's the idea of like a male chewing on a man's neck, you know, is very sexual. Sure. Um, and literally feeding off their essence. Um, but with this one, yeah, I think she brings though a, you know, <laughs> that's your look there um, no she she brings a really I think this is a really unique thing you don't see in a lot of his films that you know buddy cop movies or Michael Mann films where oh but Thief is super gay you think so oh yeah his relationship with
2: Belushi Matt no like the whole like even that scene where James Caan is talking to Willie Nelson through the window and oh yeah about a well, perfect I mean, life together well because they had
0: sex in prison yeah probably but, Well,
2: I didn't take it that far, but like, there's like like, thief is thief is kind of gay, like very much so in like a subtext way. Yeah, no,
0: you're you're right. It's definitely there, but this this film I think is just again, maybe not not like, it's not a queer reading of the film, but there's there's a relationship between these two guys that the idea of a life partner, and we talked about it with with the Hitcher too, right? Of someone Uh seeing an adversary, but also saying like if I could turn them part of myself <laughs> to yeah. my side, mm-hmm. you know, I can we could be together in this again, not sexual way, but like life partner way.
1: That's exactly what I think Bodhi sees in Utah is he so his other guys, like they're not nearly up on the intellectual yep. level of like, like they're just kind of his goons. I think he sees in You don't uh, think
2: that Roach is like reading <laughs> Voltaire or anything. See you now, Johnny
1: <laughs> I think he's definitely a Red Steinbeck. Um <laughs> But I think, he sees Dan it, Brown. I think he sees in Utah uh, just, you know, like, somebody that could be his, his right-hand man, his lieutenant, like, his his somebody to lean on and, you know, it's maybe bounce ideas off intellectually but still be, you know, enough of a stuff above to control. Because he has that narcissism.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And if all else fails, they have a whole can of
1: sex wax. Yeah. And uh, parachutes. <laughs> Alright. Um... Next question is, and we've kind of danced around this, is... That should be the name of somebody's thesis about this film. Sex, Wax, and Parachutes. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Or it's an iron and wine cover band. <laughs> 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 Why are you calling that? I don't know. Uh, Surf, like... Surfboards and dead presidents. <laughs> All right. We've danced around this. Is is Fast and the Furious and just a complete fucking ripoff of this movie. Jacob.
2: Oh yeah, Just, I mean, yeah. it's Point Break with cars. Like that's not difficult to decipher when you watch it. Like, because that's Rob Cohen,
0: right? Yeah, and something Gary Marshall, or not Gary Marshall. Someone Marshall wrote it. Gary Marshall, kind of Pretty Woman. Penny Marshall. <laughs> Penny Marshall, Marshall wrote Fast and the Furious.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a to- this renders the entire. I mean, there's obviously two movies that render the entire our usual question of like could you should you <laughs> would you remake this is that it's like well you have fast and the furious and then you have the actual point break remake which is unwatchable so you don't do it
1: um cody same Un- unabashedly yeah uh, so uh, we we were talking about this when we watched it the other night uh the big difference is that the uh the the guy that originally think are the bad guys are the uh, bad guys well, yeah, but they... they the, no, no, no. The uh, Asian guy. He, he, yeah. he, he gets out of jail. He gets back into the storyline. And then Dom, who is Bodhi, doesn't die in the end. Yeah. Can you imagine a world where instead of the Fast and Furious franchise, you get a point-break franchise? Well, that
0: was my next kind of sub-question. Oh, okay. Well, no, no. It's not a question on this, but it's sub question. is that, like, I think that Fast and the Furious shows how, if you had wanted to and let Bodhi live, that series... You could have a billion dollar franchise. (laughs) You know, could go where it's about. But. I'm glad there isn't a franchise.
1: Oh, for sure. I 100%. give me,
2: the fucking Keanu throwing his badge into the ocean and walking off because, like, that's the best. The only way they could
1: improve that is when his badge hits the water, if Patrick Swayze, she's like the wind, kicks in. Yeah, or Pantera. (laughs) Whatever that fake. (laughs) 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 Whatever that fake, like.
2: guns and roses riff that ends the movie like it's awesome and then like they start singing you're like this isn't guns and roses they're busy doing the, T- they
0: do the t2 song that's true um yeah I, I, I mean obviously like the question i think is a leading question we all agree it's a complete ripoff yeah. but um i also just love the fast and the furious series and i'm glad they took that formula because
1: it it works like that. First, the first, yeah, sure. First, well, Fast and the Furious script is actually really good. Like oh, it's, okay, it's, though, it, I thought you were talking about the entire franchise. No, I adventures well, like it, it, it so wildly differently from the first. Like the, the what is it like from from th- like four on? it just turn, on. It just turns into their their superhero you get, crew. Yeah, because it's, it's like it the better. one. I think. <laughs> I mean, this I, is this is something that I like, love it for it being what it is.
2: That, yeah, this is something for like debate on a whole other episode. Is that like? It's weird how the Fast and Furious franchise, to me, has become this, like, worldwide phenomenon because I remember when the first Fast and the Furious movie came out, like, everybody was like, oh, it's Point Break with cars and, like, just gearheads and shit when you saw it and, like, you kind of made fun of it the whole time and now it's, like, this weird blockbuster sensation because like the first three movies are these episodic things. Like everybody talks about how like Tokyo drift is their favorite one. Now when Tokyo drift came out, nobody saw that movie and anybody
0: who did was like Tokyo drift sucks. So that's, like, a lot. that's the Halloween three. What? Of, I liked it a lot.
1: I liked oh no. Tokyo I drift like it. A lot.
2: I like it too. But like the whole, there's this weird like revisionist bit of history around this franchise where they're like, well, it was always my favorite. And you're like, mm, Oh, was it?
0: Yeah, it's the Halloween three. I think of the series where everyone's oh, like, yeah. it's the Edge lord's Like, hey, actually, like I know it's not a popular opinion or anything, but like
1: <laughs> Halloween three is actually good. It's actually, huh, did you know it was a really good movie? Like, I liked this movie before it was cool.
0: Yeah, it's that shit. But like, I, I, for me, like five is one of the ultimate action films. Period, definitely of like this of this decade. Which,
1: which one is that? Fast Five. Fast Five. Well, right. But yeah, what happens good. in it? I can't.
0: That's the one with Rio at the end with the the bank, oh, the, yeah. the full uh safe behind uh, them. Like that's when the series. Is that the one think. in the
1: beginning? Dom drives the car backwards and the engine overheats. Something. That's number eight. Oh, okay. That's fast. See, that's fate of the furious. I can't, I can't <laughs> Cody for jumped that.
0: forward three entries. He's like, is it that one? That's eight years know, later. It's, but it's, I'm kind it's, no it's
2: Cody. I'm not. I'm the same way. Is that I just watch it and I'm like. Uh, yeah, this is more car
1: chases. No, this I, is fun. I mean, I
0: own them all. It's no big deal. But. Um, so you're
1: saying for Jacob's birthday next week, we just need to do a Fast and Furious marathon from like four on? No. <laughs> I did just. Vito. I just had
0: a couple of friends who had never seen the series and they did. And I was like, you got to watch it. And they are now
1: complete converts. So. They're all too so, long now, though. So you're like the Bodie of that friend group?
0: No, I'm just giving them a good Secret Handshake movie. You, 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 Fast turn, you turned them off. Fast five. Secret Handshake.
2: <laughs> Stay tuned 500 million
0: <laughs>
1: grossing. You season. may not have heard of this, secret, but it's the... <laughs> Penultimate episode, Fast and Furious 5. Um,
0: so, yeah, I love the Fast and Furious series, but it's it's cool that it... I, in my mind, it's it's all due to Point Break. So, it's all... Owed, sure. You know, for me, I love Point Break, so I love Fast and the Furious. It's almost like an unofficial, like, spinoff. Yeah. Um, so we are in um some of our, our final questions. Um we, we just kind of did this so we can do a quick but like should this be remade? I think we just talked about that, you know, Fast and the
1: Furious. Well yeah, I, no. they they did remake yeah, it and, that, and it so was bad. That film's terrible. Not um, I'm talking about point break remake. Point break remake. Yeah. 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 We'll just count
2: Fast and Furious as the, the remake. And and like, how do you It how do is you an do interesting it? case study to where they like two people took the story template, like one made it verbatim and the other one? you know, made their own movie just around like a similar mold and one was successful and the other one sucks balls.
0: Yep. And that's just the definition too of, uh, one of the, you know, best directors out there with two stars, you know, especially Swayze we were talking about at. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah that kind of goes back Swayze. to the
1: question that Jacob asked us earlier is like, what is it? What's the magic about this film? Like what makes it so good? And it's, it's the players, like the script, the script is good, but yeah, the script can good. be messed up. That has been proven. So the the players are amazing, and the director is amazing.
2: Yeah, it's and just the perfectly. It, it's why film is a collaborative medium or art is because it's just all this bright people came together. They put the work in, and now we have like an all timer.
0: Yep, just roll
1: so the an, dice. Answer me a question about um, Fast and Furious that I I can't remember. Who's Who's Paul Walker's Gary Busey.
0: Um. Oh, yeah. He has. I forget who it is, and it's only the first. It's only the first movie, right? That's why I can't remember. Yeah. Um. He doesn't die. Um. Because the whole. I understand the whole film. I don't remember the movie at all. Yeah, because I I watched it. I've watched for me. I watched basically five, six, five and six over and over again. Yeah. and then sometimes go back to the first couple. Vin Diesel was the body. Vin Diesel's buddy Paul, Paul Walker Walker's, is Utah. Keanu Reeves, Utah. Um, then sister Jordana Brewster. Oh my God, is um Tyler. Is Tyler. Tyler. But just more than Tyler. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just. Woof. I mean, I we had this debate while watching Point Break. I I, Lori Petty was a very large crush for yeah. me
1: early on. Same. Um But no. Yeah, you commented that. Uh, had you been through all this, then at the, the final moments when she's in the desert running towards you in a slip, that would have made it all worth it.
2: Yeah, I'd have been like, that's oh, it's fine. <laughs> like, Bodie, <laughs> Bodie can go. I'm, I'm good now." But you know, they ultimately break up because yeah. she had just found out he was an FBI agent before. Yeah, kind of a deal breaker. Yeah, but,
0: um, Jordana Brewster, I, I honestly think Jordana Brewster is one of the most beautiful human beings who was ever born that I've seen. Like on celluloid, she's almost, it's just like she is, just gorgeous. She's everything. Wait, I even watched Annapolis in the fucking theater because she was in it.
2: Texas Chainsaw sequels: Jordana Brewster
0: versus Jessica Beale. Jessica Biel, Biel. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah, it's true. I, that movie, Biel's the real deal. I just rewatched that movie. I'll, A, I love that movie. B, she's like, frustratingly gorgeous in that movie. Like you watch yeah. it, you're like, I think you're perfect. Like there's literally like she's. Perfect in that movie, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like Marcus nipsel you know, was just sitting off set, was like, more moisture.
0: No, it's it's insane. Like she's just yeah.
1: Was that her first real breakaway after uh Seventh Heaven? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was
0: one of it was one of I mean it was one she didn't have like big then right. she got like you know, Chuck and Larry and Stealth they yeah. tried to push. Oh stealth. Stealth was the same year. I think it was also oh three or oh four, so yeah. Um well Moving on. Um, oh, yeah. Double feature.
1: Cody. Oh, the Wesley Snipes Gary Busey. Drop zone? Yeah. Perfect. Matt, I mean, it lines right up.
0: Yeah. That's a real good one. Extreme. The era when it was about everyone being extreme.
2: Well, it yeah. also they're, kind of feels like a point break knockoff.
1: I wonder yeah. how many simultaneous camera crews were in like a universal parking lot with their uh, <laughs> actors either on sticks or, or under fans <laughs> while they're pointing their cameras up at a blue sky. Do you
2: guys remember that Charlie Sheen movie, Terminal Velocity? I was just going to bring it up. I love that movie. Where uh, they fucking
1: the
2: car out the back of the plane. No. That shit was fucking awesome. And Natasha Henstridge. Yeah. Oh, That's a man. lot of fun. Right after Species. Love that movie. Also a good one, the chase. Yeah. With Charlie Well, Shane. I can chase a lot. That's yeah. fun.
1: What's the girl isn't that Buffy? Who is that? Yeah, Christy yeah. Swanson. Yeah. yeah. She's a Trump supporter now. Yeah,
2: now she's a she's total crazy. nutbag.
1: <laughs> That's too bad.
2: Anyway. Uh, double well, feature for it, you. But
1: but is she uh, bird feeding her children like Alicia Silverstone does?
0: Well, I don't Oh, oh man. With some friends to make a movie with her. It's finished last week. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure she's a
2: great person. Yeah. She just feeds her children like a bird, which is weird.
0: Yeah. But. A um, feature for you, Jacob.
2: Oh, Strange Days. Cool. Because I watched it right after, you know, you still have the Cameron Bigelow collaboration, although this is post-divorce at this point. Or at um, least they were still friends. Yeah. Well, and he wrote strange days. So it's like, and he produced it. And like, it feels even more so than point break. Like it Cameron, looks like a Cameron film. It looks like a Cameron movie, but it still has her unique like energy. But the thing about, um, strange days that sticks with me every time. And I forget going in. Cause I've spaced my viewing, out, my viewings out like pretty far, but I just got the UK Blu-ray during the pandemic and rewatched it. As I kind of mentioned earlier, is that like, I forgot how gorgeous it is, and also how sad. Like it has this high octane energy. Like that fucking opening sequence. That's like you're inside of you know one of the memories that Ray Finds is selling. They're sticking up the the bodega. They get away, and the the it's one all, guy. It's all POV, right? Yeah, it's all in POV, and like the one dude you know doesn't make the jump when they're running from the cops. That shit is like fucking lightning in your veins while watching it, and then. It also has that later, like really icky, the darkest sequence she's ever written, where like you were witnessing the one murder, and he's basically raping and killing her, and he takes the VR set off of himself and then puts it on her so she experiences her own rape and murder and like the emotions Ugh. while it's
1: happening. From his experience. Yeah, from his
2: point of view, like it's fucking. Nor it's it's like the best Italian giallo sequence that's in like this cyberpunk movie that you you know you can't believe they're, they're it's like a galaxy brain like merging of my interests all at once <laughs> um, but you're just like oh my god I can't believe that they actually let her get away with doing the mm. sequence too because and it's that's, really upsetting
1: I, I, but, w- I would put that in like the uh, video drum category too.
2: yeah same same realm of like just gross and you're yeah. like oh my god but, like, this movie's so sad. At its core, it's literally about a guy who has to get high off of other people's memories so that he can forget, like, his own broken heart with, like, Juliet Lewis's, like, totally out-of-her-mind um, rock star and stuff. And, like, but he's the classic, like, sad sack film noir, <laughs> like, morally ambiguous protagonist. But it really makes you feel how, like, down and out and a junkie for these memories he are because he's like numbing this pain like it's just a sadder movie and then you get to all the the uh, futuristically like prescient stuff to where like it feels like you they made this movie yesterday to where Mm. the whole plot revolves around an act of police brutality and a black man being killed by the la cops on tape and that they're trying to, like, there's this conspiracy to, like, bas- buy these two cops to, like, basically suppress that evidence. Riots break out. It all ends with the D'Onofrio and William Fichter characters basically being outed publicly. Like, it's... You can't believe, like, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what we're basically living through now. Totally can't believe you nailed it like that in this fucking weirdo action movie. So... I think strange days is her masterpiece. Like that's the movie for me because you also have Angela Bassett. Who's just a total fucking badass. She's so great. in that movie, like, in everything. Uh, And it's, it's so visually striking. It's everything about it is note perfect. It's just, I can't get enough of it. Maybe we we'll watch that on my birthday.
1: I would watch that. Again. I haven't seen no it so long. Of, I was just thinking that.
0: So I had two ways I wanted to go with this. My first one, which is not my final answer is uh, falling down with Michael Douglas. Uh, yeah. Um, Joel Schumacher, mid nineties about uh, Michael Douglas kind of uh going postal, so to speak, at that time and having a bad day. Um also I think it has that really, that daytime I think I believe it's LA as well. That kind of daytime oh, yeah. that daytime yeah. LA. But my final answer Joel Schumacher and, shoots yeah. a
1: rocket through the sewer. Yes he
0: does. Um what I went and Do
2: I you, wait, can we use the term going postal anymore? Is that a thing? I was
1: I, I had that thought right when you said, it, but I mean whatever. Yeah, like, Do people know what it is, you mean? Yeah. Or is, it, or is like, it? too offensive? I feel was, like uh, no.
2: That's a, a like a generational thing now. Like nobody goes postal. They just shoot up everything.
1: Now, yeah. now they go
0: public school. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. It was that thing where they were known for. Uh, they, it, post workers were flipping and and and. No, 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 people, no I get yeah, it. Yeah. My no, dad just, I, was, a, was a mailman. No, I'm just like talking to the audience for those who don't,
2: you know. Yeah. Um, no, I am I was more asking the, <laughs> the greater question,
0: let's say. I mean, there's the they even have the UV Bowl film Postal, which is That's named true, after that. That's true, based on the video game yeah, oh. Postal. Um, <laughs> but my final answer I actually decided on was Die Hard with a Vengeance um, because... Interesting. No, I think something I've kind of keep, I guess harping on is is the daytime action film and i think that there's that era where it was in a city and and there's a grip but also there's a look to the the daytime and i know it's new york versus la but for me like the ultimate until the very very end daytime action film one of them is one is speed and also one is Die Hard: the vengeance and it's that that also a formative action film for me um at that era and um Just a very, very similar kind of idea. What's up? Good. Um, Just a very uh, solid action film from that era. Um, Besides that, not a lot of connections. But, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
2: What's your pushback? Do you... Do you... Wait, where does Die Hard with a Vengeance rank in the Die Hard trilogy for you? Or I guess it's not really... Well, we
0: only acknowledge three Die Hards, so... Yeah, um, I mean, one's, one's my favorite, um, but for me, it's like one, three, two, but uh, three, I like because
1: of it basically being a sequel to Last Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's playing uh, <laughs> while, while Martin was deciding on his answer just then. Jacob was slowly sliding to the side and giving Martin a very intense look.
0: Well, I love Die Hard 2. No, and I love Randy Harlan, and I like that movie. I love that whole trilogy, but for me, it's one, three, two. And um, again, I just love that daytime that daytime action film. Uh, you know, again, a couple years after Point Break, but they seem to go together very, very well. Uh, I think of films that play well as like Saturday matinees at home. Like one of them sure. was Speed, and yeah. one of them was Die Hard: with The Vengeance, which yeah. I would just play on repeat. And so that was that era because it was like. In the day, like it's something about watching a daytime film during the day on a Saturday that has this like kind of weird kismet. Yeah. (laughs) So it works really well as like a, you know, as a a matinee. So that would be my answer.
1: Those are also the days too. And you didn't have too many responsibilities and it was like you could just completely lose yourself in the the TV films of the day and you eat a tuna fish sandwich and just be fine. For
0: me, I was just always playing Lego. So if I wasn't watching, if I had already seen a film, it was Speed playing in the background while I just played Legos. Yeah. (laughs) like It was just this, it was the upstairs room was like the the playroom slash TV room. So that's what I would would do. All right. Yeah. Final question, gentlemen. Face melter. Yay or nay? Jacob. Undoubtedly.
2: I mean, do you need elaboration? I mean, no, I've watched the movie 50 times. Like it has some of the greatest stunts and set pieces of all time. It's, if you get this movie and you operate on its wavelength, like, you just, it, it hits. We were talking, you were talking earlier about, like, uh, just getting sucked into it and everything. Like, it hits these weird emotional crescendos that when you watch it, you're like, you can't help but just also just get wrapped up in these characters. No matter how ridiculous the fact that when you think about it's a movie about a FBI agent named Johnny Utah who goes undercover with surfers who are led by a guy named Bodie, who are also (laughs) robbing banks while wearing ex-president's masks like you say that out loud and you're like well yeah this is probably stupid as fuck and on some levels it is but then on other levels you watch it and you're like yeah but I love these guys like this is fucking awesome it's 100% a face melder it works on every single level
1: if I could add to what you were just saying, uh, the, the crescendos uh, in it—something we didn't touch on—is some of the the shots of the surfing. And oh also, God! Yeah. Also the, uh, the the day for night shot when they all go yeah. out for the for the night surf. Like some of the most just beautiful surfing shots that have ever been put on film.
2: It's if you wanted to do another double feature that's kind of outside of the box that would really play well with this. Uh, that also has Gary Busey in it. Uh, John Milius' Big Wednesday. Yep that autobiographical movie that he made about him growing up and being like spiritually connected to surfing and like all of his buddies, like dealing with Vietnam. And like, that's one of the great movies of all time, let alone like the great surfing movies. But it has this like similar photography to what you're talking about. Cause he actually hired Surf photographers, guys who are famous for making, like, the old surf movies and stuff to film. He was part the of that scene, too. His yeah. friends was Jerry Lopez. Exactly. And, like, he Subutai was hooked and, into all yeah. of that. And it's like, that movie is incredible. But, like, Bigelow brings that same energy to where, like, when people are getting filmed here, it's not stunt doubles and stuff. Like, well, it is for the, but it's, like, actual guys surfing. Like, yeah. they're not, like, faking this shit.
0: So, Cody, quick answer. You or nay?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 100%. It's, it's a beautiful face melter.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think we got to... Even when we started watching, like there's just no way it's not. Yeah. Um, A couple quick things, though, before we kind of close out, is that we didn't talk about the music, and I think it's another way that this film kind of drags you Mark in. Isham, Mark Isham. Our it,
2: second Mark Isham movie in a row because he did Hitcher. Hitcher last. was last, right? Yeah. yeah. So you
0: have two in a row, and, um, and his score... Like really is part of this movie. I think like we talked about one of my one of my favorite shots in the movie is when, um, Bodie and Tyler's finally, they let go and she's running towards Johnny and then Bodie and and Rosie get in the jeep and they're driving away and it's a very, you know, we're talking about Cameron, you know, with the synth, also the, the shot of a jeep going, desert, you know, very T- Terminator, but that shot and that that very Michael Mann music cue. Yeah. of it's like a miami vice the film music cue or like Vangelists a little bit yeah very, yeah very much that as well and so there's that and um i think it's an ultimate face melter and the story i just didn't think about talking about earlier but as my roommate in atlanta danica had never seen this film and i said you should probably watch point break and we watched it and she's like wow this is fucking amazing, and then I came back from work the next day, and she was watching it again. She watched Point Break four times in one week. She was like Cody with Six String Samurai. Right. (laughs) No, but she was just like, she fell in love with it, and so, you know, I think it does have that secret handshake energy that a person who had never seen it had maybe written it off because heard it was, you know, cheesy or whatever, and also got it for the right reasons, you know, actually loves that film, and so this is a great film, also just fun as fuck, so... Um, I think that kind of wraps us up, though, on Point Break.
2: It does. And so we've got, what, four face melters now? We have Hard Target, Battle Royale, this. this and then Hitcher? No. Hitcher we vote, was not. No, we voted that down, didn't we?
1: I don't remember. I think it's only f- three. Yeah. Six String? No. No. Uh, Last Dragon?
2: No.
0: I was the Dissenter on that one. Mm.
2: Cutter's Way? No. <laughs> Manhunter, no. Legend of Billy Jean,
0: yes. But yeah, Cody, it, did you it, say yes? Or you said remember. I think you
2: said no. I don't remember. It's four. It's four. Legend of Billy Jean, one okay. hundred percent. Because I would, I would be like, right. We should probably cut this part out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll we start where I said. That's it. Or or leave it. No, we're gonna cut that part out. We don't even know our own show. We're so like, uh. well,
1: we we recorded those you know months ago. So that brings us to the end. Should them. probably still remember. So.
2: <laughs> so that brings us
0: to our <laughs> I already said that. Kids. I so I said so that brings us to our conclusion.
1: <laughs> so I, that I brings think it's us... in there already. <laughs> I think I think it's in there. I, so your... I said that. I was like You said that. He's like, yeah, he said I think that wraps so
0: up about wraps it up for point break.
1: Now yeah, that. now you do we've house, got
0: right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> So th- that about does it for Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about wraps us up for Point
2: Break. So so that does it for Point Break. We're voting in a face melter. Absolutely. Yep. It's in the hallowed halls, let's say. Uh, what? Oh, my God. Next week is the season finale. Yes. Bow, bow, bow. Should we? No, we shouldn't say no, what it is because. But I have not seen it before. Ooh, Cody has seen it before. I yep. I've seen it actually, before. Uh, uh,
1: f- from my perspective, it's a secret handshake between Jacob and myself.
2: Yeah. It's a secret handshake between anybody who's seen it. Let's put it that way, because I would venture a guess that maybe a thousand people ever have seen this movie. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, you literally can't see it. It was barely ever released. But... You're going to have to tune in next week for the season finale of season one of Secret Handshake. Fellas, as usual, it was an honor, but I can barely speak by the end.